Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, please join me in welcoming Terry Mosey to the show. Terry has her master's degree in exercise physiology completed a chef training program, and earned a PhD in holistic nutrition. I reached out to Terry after reading her article in the IDEAA Fitness Journal about the connection between food and chronic inflammation. The article is a beautifully written piece detailing why a plant-centered diet, that's one heavily focused on eating primarily fruits and vegetables, is not only best to prevent chronic diseases such as hypertension, diabetes, and heart disease, but is also good for your gut. Terry, thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Can you please share your story about how you became interested in nutrition and holistic nutrition? What is it? Sure. So I've been in the health and wellness industry for about 25 years now. And what I do is I help others create health supportive lifestyles. And we do that by just naturally addressing chronic health issues and then actually learning how to sustain it. So what we're doing is we're looking for that longevity. We're looking to age gracefully. We're looking to keep ourselves away from the chronic illnesses that are so common as we you know, add up on the years. And a major part of that is our nutrition or the food that we eat. So I've always been tied into adding food into my work as well as into my personal life. And But it wasn't until about 15 years ago when I actually got ill, I ended up in the hospital and uh, there was no clear diagnosis. So lots of testing, lots of different health ailments happening, and I needed to go outside of Western medicine mainstream approaches to find a way to heal. And when I did that, it just expanded my perspective on food and nutrition, but also on what health really meant and then ultimately how I could really be living my life to enjoy it as I go into my later years. And it became what is called the holistic approach. And What I call is that's just the East meets West approach. So we're pulling from ancient wisdom of Eastern teachings, and then we're pulling in from our most latest in Western science. And when we do that, it allows us to see things in its wholeness and get the full picture in context. So instead of just diving into food, for instance, and just looking at how many calories did I eat today, or, oh my goodness, run away from those carbs, or are these the good fats or the bad fats? Mm -hmm. Those are conversations to have, but they're just one very small picture of what food really has to do with you and how you interact with it. So when we look at holistic nutrition, what we're doing is we're looking at the wholeness of food, which is really about your relationship with food. So it's not just the food that's on your plate, it's going to be the state of you when you're eating it. Because just the food on your plate doesn't mean anything if it can't be digested and assimilated and used inside your body. So the foods that you choose, how you eat, so whether you eat on the run or whether you eat in a relaxed, happy setting, to the emotions that you're having while you're eating, to even your beliefs about that meal. So if you're sitting in front of that meal in guilt or shame, it actually impacts your physiology and how you're gonna digest that food, which then impacts your metabolism, how you manage your weight, how you sleep, your ability to exercise. So what holistic nutrition is, is a way for us to look at food and how it impacts us physically, energetically, mentally, and emotionally, because it nourishes all of you. So it takes us away from nutrition and brings us into a world of nourishment. And that's how we heal and thrive going through our later years. 
in our Western society, we're used to looking at food as fuel or as purely enjoyment, sort of as an outside object, maybe that just sustains us mechanically or physically, but we don't think of it in a holistic way. So how would you encourage us to start to shift our our way of thinking to embrace a more holistic perspective when we're not used to it? Yeah, exactly. Because we are so literally society obsessed with calories and, and worrying about different things about the nutrients that we're not seeing things in context and that it adds to frustration. And that's why people are on yo-yo diets all the time mm -hmm. and they keep trying this next thing and this next thing that comes out. And it's because it's not a lifestyle and they're not looking at the bigger context of what food is. So to start that, what I do is I invite people to just step back a little bit and realize that their relationship with food is like an evolving art. And it's not supposed to be something that you're going to concrete put down as if you can put it all on a spreadsheet, as if you're a machine, because you're not a machine. And this is the big part. You are not a machine. And the way that your body functions is not mechanically. That's part of us. But we're not just physical beings. We're also an energetic being. And I know that sometimes that's hard for us to swallow, especially in the Western world, because it sounds a little woo-woo. But there's science behind it. So now we get it from a scientific space as to like what we are as a being. And when we start to look at things holistically, what I would say is pay attention to where you get your food. Is it coming from the farmer's market? Is it organic? Is it processed and packaged? To something as simple as what is your state of being when you sit down to eat? Is it rushed? Are you in guilt? Are you angry? Or are you playful and happy with the company that you're eating in? All of that and how your relationship with food is and what you do around food is really what's going to start to get you to heal and to use that relationship differently. Because we know if we just sit around and count calories, have you ever hung out with someone or been someone who counts calories? Of course. They are not fun to eat with. And it's not fun to be that person. Correct, because we're missing the whole point. And we also just know scientifically that it's not calories in, calories out. You know, there are people who can eat excessively all day long and not gain an ounce. And then there's those people who just look kind of sideways at the bakery window and they're gaining a little bit of weight mm -hmm. because it's not calories and calories out. We have to talk about the person who is eating. That's how personal eating is. It's that unique. And that's why when we talk about it, if we say something that's different from what somebody else's um, opinions or belief systems are about that, they get kind of defensive and mm -hmm. angry mm -hmm. because it's personal. It's a reflection of who they are. What I also hear you saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we have to actually take responsibility for what we're putting into our body and paying attention and developing or a relationship that works for us. It may not work for someone else, but works for us. Exactly. Because your relationship with food is that unique. We can talk about general guidelines today and things that can get you started. But then the conversation can go a lot deeper into how food impacts you and how you interact with it. Because we all have a story with food, too. So the different types of cravings we have and aversions we have and how we eat and what we think about it is all you. Because nobody sees life through your eyes. Nobody thinks, dreams, and, and feels like you do. So we can have similarities to other humans, of course course, and that's where we get general guidelines. But holistic nutrition is asking you to take that deeper step and say, well, how does food nourish you, you personally?
In a society where we are bombarded by so much advice on what and how to eat, why is a plant-centered diet not just another fad? Yeah, it's not a fad because people have been eating a more plant-centered diet for centuries now. It's actually a way of living. And what happens with these fad diets is what they're doing is they're trying to, quote, jumpstart your metabolism. And from a scientific standpoint, it's really not a beneficial thing to do and it's not actually happening. You're just kind of throwing your body out of balance. And health is when we're in a coherency, when we are in balance. So it does give these extremes to people who, unfortunately, in our society, we want that quick fix. But it's missing the context of how our being actually operates. Because if you're able to lose 50 pounds, by the way, really quickly in four months, then you should be able to gain 50 pounds in four months. But nobody ever wants that other side of the coin. They just want that part that works for them. And that's just not how the body works. It likes things that are consistent and then that's what it responds to. So when we're talking about eating a more plant-centered diet, I'm not waving a vegan flag. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs to go vegan because once again, as I just mentioned before, food and your relationship to it is all about you. So it's uh, going to be an evolving art and it changes with your circumstances. It changes with your life cycles. It changes when an illness arrives. It changes when you have different types of just goals you want to achieve. So I'm inviting people to, yes, have a more emphasized plant-based diet because we know it's healing and it's pr pr protective qualities that it has. But it's all about just being also flexible and adaptable to how you eat. So stay away from the labels. I really do not recommend anyone calling themselves a vegan, a vegetarian, a paleo. It doesn't matter. I, I push away from every single food tribe label that you can bring because I don't even appreciate labels in general because they're just self-imposed limitations. They're ways that we restrict ourselves in life. And if we want to grow old happily, we need to be flexible and adaptable. So cyclical, what you're saying is that the diet is not necessarily, there's no one size fits all forever. Like if you get a map and you stick to that map for the next 50 years, it'll work for you. The other thing is part of the problem with labels, and I understand why people are so um, willing to label themselves like that is because it's comforting. If I can just say to myself, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a pescatarian, then I just, that's one less thing for me to worry about in my busy day. And I know that this is what I need to eat. So what would you say to someone who just wants to worry about one less thing? I, tot I agree with every single thing that you're saying, and I totally understand why that is a struggle for many people, because we're just not used to living consciously. So it feels like work in the beginning because most of us live our lives on autopilot. And now I'm inviting you to start become more aware of who you are and what's happening, because that's really how you heal and thrive throughout your years, because we are here as a being that is designed to evolve. We're not designed just to find one answer and then stick in it. And it's like that. <laughs> with every single thing it happens in your relationships right you don't just get into a relationship you need to grow together if you're doing anything even with your work or your career you need to grow with it we're designed to evolve in every aspect of who we are and that's just what we signed up for being in this lifetime so Conscious living and autopilot is what that conversation comes up when you say that that's what I think of is, yeah, in the beginning, when you're not used to being aware, oh, it just seems tiring. I don't even want to think about this. Why do I have to worry about this? But anything that's new 
absolutely takes up a little bit more of your time because we now need to grow different types of wiring inside our brain. We need to learn new things. We need to create new memories and new connections. And that takes practice. But then I promise you, if you start doing those different things, that you will not have to think about all the things we're talking about right now as in, in this heavy awareness. You just sit down and you're aware of the person across from you. And if you're in a good space with them, you're aware of your emotions. You just go to the fridge or the grocery store and just grab the foods that you know nourish you. But of course, there's always a learning stage for everything. And it's not about removing that out of the experience because again, you're here to be an evolving being. And that's what makes you healthy long-term. Inflammation is a protective feature of our immune systems, so it can respond to foreign pathogens. The problem arises when inflammation is long-lasting and unchecked. Science shows us that chronic inflammation is a factor in conditions like diabetes and heart disease and fatty liver disease. So how does a plant-centered diet affect the inflammatory response? Yeah, so the thing with plants is is that they have protective and healing qualities. They come with specific plant-like compounds that are called phytonutrients, as well as fiber, and different types of qualities that help to have anti-inflammatory factors, so to kind of keep that inflammation at bay, as well as to help us regenerate and renew our cells and tissues. Because every piece of you, every single cell of your body, that's 50 trillion cells, are renewing and repairing all the time. So the foods that we take in are helping those processes come along. So a lot of times you may hear things like, ooh, I'm on a detox. You can't really go on a detox, by the way. Your body just detoxes on its own, but that's brilliant marketing. Exactly. Brilliant marketing though, so I love it. But I'm sharing with you that the way you eat on a consistent basis, especially when it's an emphasized plant-based, so plant-centered, helps that those processes helps you renew and heal and go through all those processes that are happening behind the seat of your awareness. You're not in control of those. That's part of the innate intelligence that runs behind you that keeps all your organs and systems running, right? Like you don't wake up each day and go, oh, give me a minute. I got to grow some blood vessels or I got (laughs) to secrete some digestive enzymes. That's happening behind the seat of your awareness Mm -hmm. and the foods that you eat and we know this through scientific research is that plants are the ones that are doing that job. Okay. Are there pro-inflammatory foods versus those that temper inflammation? There are. So, of course, um, it becomes the foods that you eat on a consistent basis. So I don't ever like to label foods. As I said, I don't like to label anything, but especially in that good or bad food world, because no, 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 no. Everything is in context. And I know a lot of people as an excuse to eat foods that may not be health supportive say, well, everything in moderation. Not exactly. Mm. So there are foods that are more pro-inflammatory, foods that are going to exacerbate an inflamed system. So if you already have low-grade inflammation, the foods that you take in are going to instantly that and exacerbate that and then change your genetic expression towards an illness. But just eating a food itself by itself is not inflammation. It has to interact with you. And that's the big thing. It's how food and you react and interact with each other. It's the relationship. It's never the food. So the French fry by itself is not bad. It's the French fry interacting with somebody who has an inflammatory system that's not in check. And how do you know if you have the inflammation? 
you know, there's different ways that we can recognize inflammation. You can have some digestive issues. So you can have things that are just like acid reflux, gas and bloating. You can be struggling with your weight. You can have trouble sleeping. You could be someone who catches a cold all the time or wakes up congested with sinus infections. So your body you can have aches and pains in your joints or like a bursitis or, you know, so there's different ways that the body is just like, hey, mm. I need you to kind of like, you know, pull things together a little bit. Too much inflammation's coming in. Um, but as far as food, we do know that land animal. So that's why I don't always wave the vegan flag because fish are, you know, is is a has a positive effect on our um, inflammation check. So a land animal, dairy, fried foods, excessive fats, especially saturated fats, and that comes from land animal. Um, too much sugar, even the artificial sweeteners, and anything processed and packaged, right? So people go, oh, I'm going vegan or vegetarian. Then they're eating all these new processed meats that are out or these mm -hmm. like, veggie burgers and stuff. That stuff is inflammatory. It's not the same as you getting whole foods where you're picking it out of a tree or pulling it out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some good habits that we can adopt to support a strong immune system? Yeah, so when it comes to our immune system, it really is about your lifestyle. A great place to start is mm -hmm. with your food. Mm -hmm. So I would say start emphasizing a plant-based diet and don't overthink it and start getting all crazy with yourself. Your foods, meals should just be colorful. If they're not colorful, then that's a concern because inside that rainbow of the colors of the food are those nutrients that protect ourselves against inflammation and help us heal. So all you have to do is go, I need to eat colorful meals. We of course can make this more specific if you and I were having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one another, but as a general guideline that you can start today, start adding more vegetables start adding some more fruits add some nuts and seeds get some healing spices in there so you can shift your foods to being a little bit more plant-based and a little bit more health supportive you can start to even bring in some organic if you can you don't have to eat all organic everyone but it, when you do that you're also part of a movement that we're changing the farming systems of of the country and that's huge for the bigger part of our kids and their kids and so on like so we're part of a movement by choosing organic um, slow down while you eat we're always on the rush and the the state that you eat in stimulates a different aspect of your nervous system, which then determines how well your digestive system works. So when you're relaxed and you're hanging out and you're eating with someone you really enjoy, your body is really able to digest and absorb and assimilate that food. Because remember, it's not just a meal on the plate, it's gotta get in. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a rush and you're sitting across from someone and you're just boiling because you just had a bad meeting with mm -hmm. them, you're not getting nutrients. There's nothing being absorbed. And then it causes constipation and gas and bloating and then you don't sleep well and then your metabolism gets impacted and then all of a sudden you're like, why am I putting on weight? Because it's all connected. Everything about you is that connected. So when it comes to food as a way to improve your immunity, it's going to be plant-based. It's going to be slowing down. And then my next thing would be is to get in the kitchen. I love to eat out, but get in the kitchen so you know what's in your meals and you are being part of the action to help yourself heal. What would you say to someone about variety? Because you and I both know plenty of people like this. I only like if you ask people, um, what do you like to eat? And it's a very specific two or three vegetables or <laughs> only the one type of fruit that they're not really. I had a conversation with someone recently. It's like, well, I only like 
this person named three vegetables and two ty two types of fruit. Everything else, I don't, well, I don't like that, and I don't like that. So what would you say is, to us is important about variety? Because you said rainbow, you said colorful, and that to me automatically implied variety. Correct, exactly. So, and yes, there are many people, I've had clients who will only eat broccoli. You know, they'll make me like, I only eat broccoli. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but we're not going to eat more than broccoli now. And, but that's just a conversation because when we look at nutrition from a holistic perspective, it is a reflection of who you are and how you're living. So if you're not open-minded to trying different foods and before you've even had the food, before you've even experienced whether you're already giving me the no flag, then this is already telling me about where you are just in your state of mind with flexibility, how you feel in safe, how you feel being in unknown territory. That's interesting. How we eat is, is, has hidden messages to it. Very and interesting. And start to have that deeper conversation, I'm going to challenge you on that. And that is a, a larger conversation for us to have about the hidden messages in food. And that's that idea of saying, listen, the reason why you're inflexible with your food is because there's also an inflexibility in your mindset. Let's find out why that mindset is happening in the first place, because everything always goes back to our consciousness. So it's not about like, oh, I don't like the flavor of that. It's the state of mind that you're going into something that's considered unknown. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's because there's a lot of ahas you can have because you realize the way you eat, how you do food is how you do life. So when I work with people and I look at their food, I'm not just saying like, oh, they eat too many carbs, they're eating too much fat. No, I'm looking at their patterns. I'm looking at their mindset. Mm. I'm looking at how they show up to food because mm. it's your relationship with food. And if you are rigid with your food, that means you're rigid in your mindset. That means you're rigid in your life. And rigidity will bring about disease states because there's no longer a flow and a coherency in your energetic field. Fascinating. Food for thought. No pun intended. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's the microbiome what does it do and how do we keep it healthy yeah so the microbiome is your unique personal bacteria so for so many years now right we've been on that like antibacterial kick everybody's just running around with their antibacterial lotion and stuff and I get that, but at the same time, I also remember being a kid and just like eating dirt, you know, because like the whole idea is you need to build your immune system and you need to be exposed to things. But the reality is, is that you have a unique bacteria and that means a hundred trillion microbes all over you. They're on mm -hmm. your skin, they're mm -hmm. in your mouth. We have about four pounds inside our stomach. Mm -hmm. And this bacteria is unique to you just as your genetic expression is unique to you. So it's reflecting and responding to how you show up to life, your lifestyle. And understand that you are more bacteria than you are even human cells. So researchers were like, what is going on with this bacteria? Because it's not just like, okay, we need to get rid of bacteria because they're a foreign pathogen because that's such a Western way of, of just looking at like inflammation or or microbiomes or bacteria and be like, ew, they're bad for us. And then we realize, well, they're actually part of us. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're not supposed to kill them all off. Maybe there's some friendly ones. So they started the microbiome project and oh my goodness, we've learned so much. And it's only been a few decades that they've been really researching it. And that's really very small in the research land. So it's not really, the word is getting a little trendy right now, but it's going to take a little while for the research to really grow. Because again, a few decades in research is not a lot to come up with like really concrete conclusions. But we do know that the bacteria in your tummy 
It impacts your immunity because 70% of your immune system is actually in your stomach. It helps you detoxify. Mm -hmm. It produces hormones that help you feel good or not feel good. So anxiety and depression, we're finding is actually tucked into your stomach because of your bacteria. It impacts how you sleep. It impacts your libido. It impacts your metabolism, how you regulate your blood sugar levels, whether you keep weight on and off, and your coping skills, your abilities to create memories are actually directly, not just kind of linked, directly linked to the health of your microbiome, to your bacteria. And that's how important it is. And that's how important it is for us to have these conversations about how to heal our gut. So specifically how to keep the microbiome healthy with the different yeah. lifestyle modifications that you mentioned previously? Absolutely. So definitely eating a more emphasized plant-based. And then also you can add specific foods that are called prebiotic or mm -hmm. probiotic foods mm -hmm. to add in and diversify because you're always looking to diversify. Your body always wants newness and diversity, not just in food. It wants it in your relationships. It wants it in your connections. It wants it in work. It wants you to keep evolving. And we always have to have newness coming in. So when you eat some fermented food, so eating like Those two are the probiotics. of raw pasteurized sauerkraut will do mm -hmm. the trick. Mm -hmm. So don't get crazy and start eating like a, like a, like an entire jar of kimchi, but just a little bit of kimchi <laughs> a day feeds it because I know how we are in the Western world, right? We find out, Oh, I'm supposed to do this. And then we eat it in excess, but just a little bit of fermented beets or carrots, go down to the farmer's market. There are people who do this, have some tempeh, have a little miso soup, um, have a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar each day in some warm water as a tea, but just enough to nurture that microbiome. And then if you're eating a more plant-based diet, you don't need to overthink it because it's getting its food. And so the uh, definition of pre versus probiotic, the prebiotics are the things that are feeding your microbiome, those plant-centered uh, foods and spices and things. And the probiotics are the fermented food that already that have some healthy bacteria within them, correct? Exactly. Exactly. And we want a little mixture of both. In your article, you end with a discussion about the power of mindful eating. I was so excited when I saw that. Um, how do our thoughts and emotions, um, beyond what you started to touch upon earlier in the conversation, impact our dietary choices and the effects these choices have on our bodies? Yeah, so we just know so much more about how the mind and body are connected now. And it used to be like, oh, that's woo-woo, but it's not. It's actually a scientific discipline called psychoneuroimmunology that came out in the late 70s, I, said, I would say, when Dr. Pert um, started to isolate the first endorphin receptors. And, you know, what we now know is that when every thought that we have creates specific neuropeptides or substances or chemi chemicals inside the body that goes down to our physical body so that we can feel what we're thinking. So we have a thought, it creates an emotion, which releases a physical chemistry that goes down to our body so we can feel what we're thinking. And then your dominant thoughts every day create your state of being and create your physical chemistry, right? So we know those people who have just like an angry disposition. We know those people who are just like really laid back and chill and nothing bothers them because their dominant thoughts are of that, that create that physical chemistry. So we know that we can already impact inflammation or health either way 
by the thoughts that we have and the dominant ones that we have because 95% of our thoughts every single day are the same as yesterday. They're the same types of thoughts. So that's what it comes into that consciousness or being more aware. When you sit down to eat, when you're eating in guilt or shame, you are creating a physical chemistry that then relates that guilt or that shame, which then impacts how you digest your food and then also genetic expression of health or disease. So it's that powerful that how our mind and body are connected. And we know that 95% of why people walk into a doctor's office anyway is stress-related. It's perceived mm-hmm. stress, too. It's not even, mm-hmm. you know, we're, it's not a physical threat. Of course, um, people live in challenging spaces that are unsafe, physically unsafe. But for the majority of people who do step into the doctor's office at this time is because it's stress-related. It's perceived. It's thought-created. And that's us for us to understand is that everything about our health, everything about our well-being, goes back to our consciousness and back to our mind so one way you can start to invite that in is to start eating a little bit more mindfully turn off the tv put down the phone be right where you are with your food be right where you are with whoever you're eating with and have an actual present aware experience with food and when you start to do that it already starts to shift your thought patterns and how you feel about food which then shifts how it actually impacts and interacts with you one of the things that i tried several years ago was an app where i was recording everything that went into my mouth okay like a serial killer wow yeah yeah it was it was horrible i didn't realize it at the time and part of the attractiveness for it for me i'm a type a person okay yeah Uh, self-professed recovering working (laughs) on type a person so the idea of an app that i could record everything and be a good girl and really pay attention to um progress was very attractive Oh, yeah, I did this for a year. And look, it worked. But I just wonder if that underlying current of stress that I was not acknowledging, so the cortisol that I was sustaining was affecting my digestion. Do you know if there's any research that talks about cortisol? and Absolutely. What you're saying is exactly true. Yes. Because it's just a low grade because it's still functional, right? People say, I'm not stressed. I can handle it. I know you can handle stress, (laughs) but the body still has it. And it's the low grade. Oh, wait, Terry, we're supposed to handle it. It's not that we can't. We're supposed to. But we push the envelope, right? Like the only way that we actually like stop is like we get really ill, right? We're like laid out in bed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what they call the Western form of meditation is getting sick is because we don't know how to stop. And the thing is, is that when you put that all together, yeah, your cortisol and your stress levels, they're low enough that you're still functional. And the problem with that type of thought patterns of, and I've been there too, right? And even before I even understood and I first was even in my career is I used to have people put everything in Excel spreadsheet. And I do want to say, I am sorry to all of those humans that I subjected that to because there's nothing healthy about it. But again, this is what I was taught. Mm-hmm. And now I just know that this is not cool. This isn't good because it's about relationships. And we have a tendency to want to look at food in a very intellectual way. So especially as a type A person and having your, your background and, and as mine as well, is that we like things to be intellectual and understood and we call it scientific and all that stuff. But we're beings that are also 
designed to feel. And we heal and find balance and harmony when we feel, not when we overthink things. So you running over, anyone running over and putting in an app or me putting it in a spreadsheet is us staying out of who we really Mm -hmm. are as a whole being Mm -hmm. and hiding in our intellect. Mm -hmm. And when we hide in our intellect, we know that that pushes that stress axis. So yeah, everything that you're saying is is true. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Healthy to me means wholeness. It means having a physical, emotional, mental, and soulful well-being. It means be not just the absence of illness, but finding what in life nourishes you, right? Like what makes your soul passionate? What state of mind you're in, the clarity of your thoughts, the emotions that you choose to carry around with you, your physical strength and endurance, the connections and relationships you have in your life, your willingness to learn, your willingness to show up to life as an evolving being. That's what healthy is to me, is wholeness, is the whole package of are you in love with your life? Are you choosing things that nourish you? And if you can say yes to that, then to me, you're healthy. Thank you again today for your time. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun connecting with you. And uh, this is not the end of our journey together. I read with great interest, not just your article we talked about today, but also your book, The Hidden Messages in Food. Use your relationship with food to unlock your true potential. And it is chock full of information and definitely very challenging to the way we think we're we're taught to think in our western society so that being said i would love it if we could dive into some of the work that you put into that book in another episode absolutely i would love to do that it's it's great to start to just expand how we are around food. And and it's really just about inviting in options and getting just to have a broader context so you don't get fixed in limitations and feel like this is the only way that I can do it. Because then we strive for perfection. Then we feel like we're a failure. Then it brings up guilt and shame. And we don't want to live in that space because we're human. We're not designed to live in perfection. But we, we can pigeonhole ourselves into those spaces. So what it's doing with this three-stage journey that I share in my book is just inviting you to look at food in a little bit of a larger context, add some flexibility, ask you to be a little bit more artful about it and just, and like relax a little bit. It doesn't have to be something that's um, your enemy. And I know we've all been challenged with say our weight or our health and it, and it goes back to food. So we have this love hate relationship, this, you know, eat, binge, starve kind of mm-hmm. thing happening a lot of times. And I just want to invite you. And this is what I do in the book is just to step back and look at it a little bit differently. Cause if you see your food more as just a reflection of who you are and how you're living and understand like why do I have this sweet or salty craving or why do I have an aversion to fish or mushrooms or why do I have this caffeine addiction and when we understand the whys then it just makes more connections in our life and then we're able to just make more empowered decisions moving forward Mm -hmm. because any way that we're going to heal and thrive it has to be voluntarily done Mm -hmm. you can't Someone can tell you what to do in a way of guiding you, but you have to really want to be invested in it to heal and to make these choices long term. So that's what I'm inviting you to do in this book is just to broaden how you look at food so that you can have a little bit of a healthier relationship and see how it connects to who you are as a larger being. 
So the practical tip for this week then would be to read Terry's book in anticipation of the next episode. Thanks for being here and see you next time.